This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com, where you can get our podcast each and every week. You can also watch the, uh, it's not really new at this point, but the video version of the show as well, available on both YouTube and BitChute. Again, those links, all of that stuff can be found at the website, atnshow.com. As we uh, continue forward our trek into um, what has been almost a year now of um, of COVID-19 across a lot of the country. Um, a lot of places started their, uh, again, I'll, I'll continue to say this, their unconstitutional lockdowns in March of last year. And you're starting to see now... Um, for, I think, political reasons, but also because enough is enough starting to see these mandates and whatnot being listed. Uh, we've got two, a couple of states now. The two big ones are Texas and Mississippi, both announcing this past week that, hey, we are uh, we're lifting the mask mandates. And of course, all hell breaks loose when this is announced. And what what's so frustrating about that is this is the big difference between the left and the right. Right, you look at conservatism and liberalism, right? Two popular ideologies. That's where a lot. That's where most people fit into one of those two um, groups, or at least have some ideals in some of those groups. For simplification purposes, let's just assume those are the two. You see your big difference right here, right? You had the uh, the governor of Mississippi saying, "Hey, the cases are at a point where we don't feel." At this point, there's any reason for the state, the government, to be involved in this decision. That's where the conservatives line up. That's where we've lined up the entire time. And let me be clear here. I'm not, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to, I don't want to give these states praises because these mask mandates should have never been the case from the start. And I know that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but there never should have been mask mandates. There never should have been a mask. It just, it, it didn't make sense. It was never the role of government to be in the position to require masks. And we've got a CDC study that we'll get to here in a minute uh, that proves that that's been the case. It should have been the case. But I don't have a time machine. I can't go back in time. I'm not one of these people that's, that wants to sit here and just say, oh, well, it shouldn't have this, should have, should have, should have. It doesn't matter. It did. And now we're coming out of it. So that's good. I want to state clearly that I think the mask mandates were stupid from the beginning. Um, but going back to what's what's going on now in a couple of these states, uh, Texas being one of them, I believe theirs is the 10th. That's when theirs officially goes into place. All hell has broken loose. People say, oh, my God, people in Texas are going to just start dropping dead. And again, it goes back to the ideology, right? It goes back to the two different viewpoints. Does the state, should the state tell you what you should or shouldn't do for your own health i don't know i don't don't think so i mean the state allows you to go and smoke cigarettes which have been proven to cause cancer had two grandparents that have both fortunately beaten beaten but had cancer smoked their entire lives probably had something to do with it you can go do that you can go drink the liver out of your body in these states, totally legal. As long as you're over 21, you can go to any gas station and, or, or liquor store or grocery store and drink yourself to death. 
Now, the state may not want you to do that, but they're sure as hell not stopping you. And I know those are extreme examples. But should the state be in the business of telling you what to do for your health? No, the answer is no, absolutely not. But here's the great thing about America, and again, the difference between the left and the right. If you live in a state like Texas, if you live in a state like Mississippi, if you live in a state like Florida, or I believe it's now West Virginia also, it's just kind of rolling out now, all these states, guess what you can do? I know this is going to be controversial for a lot of people, but guess what you can do in these states? Continue to wear a mask. (laughs) If you don't feel comfortable in public, which is fine to each their own. If you don't feel comfortable in public, guess what? Just continue to wear a mask. I mean, people make it out that Greg Abbott in Texas is going to start walking around downtown with a machine gun and killing people that are wearing masks. No, it's just the statewide mandate's been lifted. Stores can still tell you to wear a mask, right? You go to a store, you go to a store now and it says, uh, what is it? No, uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service. They can deny you entry for not wearing a, a shirt or shoes. They, almost every store has got that posted. They can say the same thing about a mask. They can deny entry. That's the right to do so as a business. Right? Now, there's some controversy with that, but we're not going to get into that on this program. But a, a restaurant, a store, a business, they can continue to require people to wear masks. Right? The, the, the most local form of government, right? You own your own store. You are your most local form of government. You decide the rules in that establishment, that property, whatever it may be. So why is it that once Texas announced that they were going to lift their mask mandate, which, by the way, hasn't even been done yet, they, it's going in place on the 10th, which is uh, Wednesday. So it hasn't even been done yet. And you can see all the celebrities and, and Gavin Newsom. Oh, this is, this is terrible. Joe Biden saying this is Neanderthal thinking. It's ridiculous. If you are at risk or think that you're at risk of getting or dying of COVID-19 or getting somebody in your family sick, first of all, you shouldn't be leaving your house if you don't need to. We've already been over this. And secondly... Just wear a freaking mask. I don't understand the controversy. Just wear a mask. Again, Greg Abbott did not outlaw mask wearing. He's not going to. No governor is going to make it illegal to not wear a mask. Excuse me. No governor is going to make it illegal to wear a mask. You could have been wearing a mask for your entire life. There was nothing stopping you and there's nothing stopping you now. But again, the big difference between the left and the right. As a conservative-minded individual, I don't think that the government, or at least your state government, has any, or the federal government definitely, has no place in a decision like this. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I know this is crazy right-wing thinking. I just don't think that there's any place for it. I think it's stupid. We've talked about this in the past in North Carolina. We saw it just this past week with the uh, governor, or last week, with the governor vetoing the, the school reopening bill. Does he really have your best interests at mind? Does Roy Cooper have your best interests at mind? Obviously not. He says out of one side of his mouth, hey, we need to reopen schools, and then on the other side, goes ahead and uh, vetoes a, a bill passed by the General Assembly. 
And then the General Assembly failed to override the veto. So we're in the same boat. He says open schools, but won't force them to open. So now you've got an, an incredibly high rate of kids failing schools across the or failing classes and, and uh, grades across the state of North Carolina and across the United States. I mean, in some school districts, it's upwards of 40% of kids are failing two or three classes. This isn't college or high school. These kids are in elementary school and middle school. 30 or 40% of kids are failing more than two classes? That's insane. And again, this all comes down to right science and facts. But as we've seen time and time again for now the past year, the second that the science or the facts don't fit the narrative, well, then we start dealing with feelings and opinions. Right, The second that the science doesn't back up what we want to do, what our goal is, well, you know, I feel this way, or I feel that way, or my gut feeling says this. And that's the case in North Carolina. It's the case in most states across the United States, with really Florida being the only outlier. Where I don't, I'm not, I, they've had, their mask mandate was very short-lived, and everything's going great. And the media wanted to turn uh, Florida into, uh, you know, Death Valley, where everybody was just going to be dying. And it turns out it's just not been the case. Florida's doing great. Their economy, their economy is is recovering rapidly. Businesses are allowed to open. I mean, look at states again. You look at a state like South Dakota with Christy Nome. Same thing. Never had a mask mandate. Never told businesses they could or couldn't close. She said in her CPAC speech last week, I didn't realize this was going to be a controversial thing. I thought that states would allow business to operate, and if you didn't feel comfortable, you didn't feel safe, you wouldn't go out. You would stay home. I mean, every major grocery store chain is now doing deliveries. You can get food delivered. You can get services delivered. Get things dropped off at your house. Everybody buys stuff on Amazon anyway. So how did this become so controversial? And when did we start allowing the state to make decisions for us, the federal government to make decisions for us? Well, started about a year ago. We gave up our liberties. And now all of a sudden we're cheering for states that are reopening. They should have never done it in the first place. Stick with us. This is Against the Norm. We'll be back. Welcome back to Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com. So again, I want to I want to be um, I want to be clear with with this whole thing with the mask mandates. I'm glad that they're being lifted, but I think it is important for us to point out that first of all, they were unconstitutional, and second of all, it's like one of these situations where you're you're praising bad behavior because it changed right we're all we're, we're cheering and it's good again it is good that the mask mandate is being lifted but it's very important to to continue to pound home and beat home the fact that they should have never been put in in the first place in my opinion and you know some people say well hey maybe your opinion's wrong okay that's fine right we're all entitled to our opinion but what about the science what about the science well as we talked about last segment, science is 
convenient. Science is good when it fits the narrative, right? We use science when it fits the agenda. When you're, when you're trying to push something, you fit the science. The second that the science stops fitting that narrative, you either change around the science like we've done with coronavirus. We're just constantly moving the goalpost. Again, let's go back 12 months. What were we worried about? We were worried about hospitalizations. Then once hospitalizations started not really exploding like they did, then we started counting cases. We've never talked about recovered cases. It was just cases. How many cases? How many cases of coronavirus? What about people that didn't have symptoms? My father had COVID. Very minor symptoms. He's in his 50s. Is that really a good statistic? How about serious cases, right? Hospitalizations is a pretty good number to use. President Trump shipped a boat to New York for them, some Red Cross boat for them to line up. It had like a thousand beds on it where they could put COVID patients. They uh, they uh, uh, changed the Javits Center, converted the Javits Center into essentially a, a, a mobile hospital. Those two facilities saw hardly any patients. Instead, Governor Cuomo, when he was you know, trying to sexually harass and assault his, um, uh, his aides around him, were sending sick people to nursing homes and killing, God knows at this point, it's over 20,000 people. So again, we use the science, we use the facts when it's convenient. The second it's not, we change the goalpost. Well, here's some science for you. And I had this argument with somebody the other day. This is a brand new CDC report. It came out on Friday. That would be the first week of March, the first Friday of March, just for purposes here. So, a new CDC report. Mask mandates lowered COVID cases by about 1.5% over a two-month period. I'll read that again one more time. Mask mandates lowered COVID cases by around 1.5% over a two-month period. Mask mandates also decreased the death rates by by around 1% over a one-month period, according to the study. Now, 1% and 1.5% are within the margin of error. Statistical error. 1% is such a small number that it's within the statistical error of zero. So... Looking at the mask mandate, it did nothing. And again, this is not crazy right-wing conspiracy theory. This is a CDC report, a CDC study. This is a CDC report. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Mask mandates were associated with a 0.5% decrease in daily COVID-19 case uh, growth rates of one to 20 days after implementation and decrease of 1.1, 1.5, 1.7, and 1.8 percentage points, 21 to 40 days. The statistical error within the margin of error being zero. Well, that says all you need to know right there. Now, for some reason, I haven't seen this CDC report talked about on, on the news. Let's, let's, uh, we used to do this on the show a lot. Let's go to CNN.com. We'll do this right here, live on the air, CNN.com. 
Let's see what's going on here. Back taxes. You might not get a stimulus check. Okay, so we've got that on here. U.S. is at a tipping point of another COVID-19 surge, experts say. That's why safety measures remain crucial now. Well, let's see. I don't see anything on here about the CDC study. I see some more things about COVID. I see stuff about uh, Joe Biden. Huh. Nothing. Isn't that interesting? All right. Nothing on this CNN. Oh, let's, let's, maybe it's just them. Let's go to MSNBC.com. Let's see if that's on there. Again, this is a brand new report. Stimulus checks. Trump's favorite legal trick may save him yet again. Um, hmm. The Senate passes the COVID relief package that we'll talk about. Some more stuff about George Floyd. Interesting. Nothing on here about this CDC report. Doesn't that tell you all you need to know? Right? Science, we use it when it's convenient. And just to read that story back on CNN, uh, U.S. is at another tipping point of, a, of another COVID-19 surge, experts say. Well, experts can say one thing, but the science, the facts, the numbers say that that's not the case. There's supposedly been, is, was going to be another surge of COVID since Thanksgiving of last year. And that quote-unquote surge hasn't happened. It didn't happen around Thanksgiving didn't happen around Christmas. Colleges are back in, in session now. Didn't happen at New Year's. It, it's never happened. But now that the numbers aren't working, now that the science doesn't fit the narrative, the Democrats have to crank up, the, the media machine has to crank up the fear. Because God forbid we'd publish this, again, the CDC, who is supposedly right, they're right about everything. Government, science, facts, everything. This is the CDC. And by the way, you can't claim it's Trump's CDC anymore because he's not president. The, the successful coup to take Trump out worked. COVID-19 killed the Trump presidency. It worked great. The lockdowns killed Trump. There's no question about it. Worked successfully, but you can't claim that the CDC... Because if you remember back to when Trump said there was going to be a vaccine... In late 2020, early 2021, you had people like Andrew Cuomo saying, "Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do our own independent study, right? We don't we're not trusting Trump's CDC. Well, this isn't Trump's CDC. This is a uh, Biden Biden's CDC. Again, reporting mask mandate lowered COVID cases by around one and a half percent over a two month period. So nothing. There's done literally nothing. One and a half percent." within the statistical margin of error of zero. So beyond stupid. Speaking of facts and science and numbers, I was shocked to see this report filed at WRAL.com. This headline is unbelievable. In a year, North Carolina flu deaths dropped from 186 to 5. In a year, North Carolina flu deaths dropped from 186 to 5. Now, of course, the first uh, 
sentence here says social distancing and mask wearing isn't only slowing the spread of COVID-19, but also the flu. Well, that's obviously not the case. I mean, it's because you really can't tell the difference between COVID and the flu. But if you walk into a, an ER with flu symptoms or COVID symptoms, they're going to assume you have COVID. But an unbelievable headline from 186 to five, five, five people. There's t- almost 10 and a half million people. Well, there is more now, but we'll get new census data this year. There's 10 and a half million people in the state of North Carolina that are residents that live here. And five people have died of the flu. Five. Five whole people. Does that not seem interesting to you? Does that not seem odd? Does that not seem maybe a little suspect to you? It does to me. And it sucks that those five people died. But boy, that's quite a headline. I mean, it's a COVID has essentially cleared the flu, uh, uh, cured the flu. I think that's an accurate statement to say. No, 186 deaths to five. I, it's it, I thought it was a misprint when I read it. I couldn't. I didn't believe that. Why would you? Five deaths in the state with ten and a half million people. Sorry for being a broken record, but we've got to continue to pound these numbers home. Here is science. Here are facts. But they won't be promoted. They won't be published. Because guess what? Doesn't fit the narrative. Stick with us. You're listening to Against the Norm with Nick Craig. All right. Welcome back to the program. 25 minutes now till the top of the hour. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. You can visit our website, etnshow.com. So we'll uh, we'll put a pin in COVID for, uh, for for right now. There's a whole bunch I want to get into, but I don't want to spend the whole show um, lamenting on on, on COVID. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure there will be plenty of other conversations that uh, that we can have between now and then. Um, I do want to play a clip from a local news anchor in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, um, Carrie Lake, who published the video this past week. Um, about why she's leaving her job and it fits kind of into what we've been talking about with the science and the goalpost moving and the really kind of the hatchet job that the media has has portrayed and pushed on the American people over the past year. Let's listen to this. Um, This is straight from straight from the source um, in a video that she published this week about why she's uh, leaving the, the media world. So let's take a listen. Hi everybody, I've got some news I wanna share with you. Since so many of you have sent me messages while I've been on leave asking me how I'm doing or when I'll be back, many of you left kind messages telling me that you miss me. I appreciate all of the messages and I miss you too. This time away from work has given me a chance to reflect on my work. 22 years ago, Fox 10 hired me and paired me up with John Hook to bring you the news every night. Shortly after becoming a team, we jumped in the ratings and we've held the number one spot for almost all of our time together. Anyone who's worked in TV news can tell you that is not an easy feat and it's one I'm extremely proud of. And I thank you for that, for tuning in and inviting us into your homes. Sadly, journalism has changed a lot since I first stepped into a newsroom 
And I'll be honest, I don't like the direction it's going. The media needs more balance in coverage and a wider range of viewpoints represented in every newsroom, at every level, and in each position. In the past few years, I haven't felt proud to be a member of the media. I'm sure there are other journalists out there who feel the same way. I found myself reading news copy that I didn't believe was fully truthful or only told part of the story. And I began to feel that I was contributing to the fear and division in this country by continuing on in this profession. It's been a serious struggle for me and I no longer want to do this job anymore. So I've decided the time is right to do something else and I'm leaving Fox 10. I thank Fox for their understanding as I've come to this decision and I am grateful for the opportunities they provided for me to cover so many big stories over the years. As I close this chapter of my career, there will probably be some hit pieces written about me. Not everyone is dedicated to telling the truth, but thankfully many of you have figured that out. I promise you, if you hear it from my lips, it will be truthful. It is scary walking away from a good job and a successful career, especially in difficult times. I know God has my back and will guide me to work that aligns with my values. I feel such a deep connection to all of you wonderful Fox 10 viewers here in Arizona and those I've met and interviewed over the years. Thank you so much for your trust and friendship all these years. I will keep in touch and I hope you will do the same. Wow. That's, um, that's interesting. That, uh, that takes some, uh, takes something to do, right? Walk away. I, I mean, 22 years at a local news station in, in Arizona. I'm sure she was making some pretty good money. Uh, news anchors in larger markets like that, especially at, with, at that uh, age, 22 years of being at, the, at a single station, is probably making a very, very good living. So to be able to, to walk away from that takes incredible courage. Um, but there was an interesting part that she brought up in there, is that newsrooms need to have more diversity and i'm no expert in the in the the new tv news industry but i know enough and i know more than most people anchors at stations are not necessarily doing a lot of the quote-unquote journalism that is being done right they have um reporters and researchers and people that are doing these things behind the scenes not to say that the anchors just you know, slap on a suit and tie and walk in and read what's off the teleprompter. But there is a lot of um, back end support that is done. And I've seen it, at least here locally, these newsrooms, everybody's liberal. And I know this comes as no shock to most people, but every single one of these newsrooms is just is spewing liberalism. 100%. It's not even close. There's no balance. There's no diversity in these newsrooms. It's the case here in Wilmington. It's the case. It's the case in Raleigh. It's the Charlotte all across the United States. You're banished if you're a conservative. You wouldn't want you couldn't even you you they, they wouldn't hire you. So for this reporter or excuse me, this anchor rather to leave the job after 22 years, again, a good paying job is, is pretty remarkable. And it does show the state of, it does show the state of the industry. 
it shows the unwillingness. And again, 22 years ago, things have changed dramatically. I mean, you go back to, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, media was a lot more balanced. There was a lot less bias. Didn't seem to be until about the start of the Obama administration that the, that the news and specifically cable news got so slanted. Now, that process started earlier, but it didn't seem that it really um, went full force until Obama. That's when the media really started playing cover and essentially being the third leg of the Democrat Party. Because that's all that's what the media is. For all intents and purposes. I mean, they don't provide anything besides cover for the left. We've seen it over the past year. We've seen it now with Biden in, in office. This man has gone. This man is the has, is the first president to go 40 plus days without a press conference. Nothing. He sends uh, his press secretary Pasaki out there every single day to, to circle back and ramble around things. He hasn't, there's no, there's no, there hasn't been a state of the union. He's had no press conferences and there's been no questions at all. The media is going to continue to ask, Oh, uh, uh, what's uh what's your favorite flavor? What's the president's favorite flavor of ice cream? I'm a journalist. Half a, uh, half a billion people in the United States have died of COVID. Uh, Jed, do you, uh, do you know what kind of, uh, what kind of birthday cake? Uh, the president likes. Do you know what his favorite frosting is? These are important questions. I'm a journalist. I'm getting paid to ask these pre- questions to the press secretary for the most powerful country in the world. That's what the media is asking. That's what the media is doing. Ask about ice cream flavors and birthday cakes. That's what the media does. You remember those questions when Donald Trump was in office? No. Have you watched a Biden um, uh, administration press conference with uh, with Jen Psaki? It's unbelievable. Her and the media, they're they're getting along they're on first name basis. Hey, Jen, thank you so much for calling on me. Did that happen uh, when Kellyanne was there? Did th- did that happen with during the Trump administration when Sean Spicer was the press secretary? Did that ever happen? No, they would yell at the press secretary. They would talk over the press secretary. They would cut off the press secretary when he or she was trying to answer a question or talk. Now it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big love fest in the, in the, in the briefing room. They're on first name basis. They're joking around. Oh, this is so much fun. Jen, we're so glad that Biden's in office. Oh, we're so glad that all we have to do is sit here now and you can tell us what to report back to the people. Oh, it's so great. They love it. It's disgraceful. So no wonder Carrie Lake wants to get out of the current news industry. She's somebody that is obviously smart enough to be able to realize that the industry is a cesspool. Most most anchors, and it's because of financial reasons, won't say this. Because they've got a family to provide for. She's hopefully in a position, in a situation where she can step back from this and not take a hit and lose her house or you know lose a car, whatever it may be. Most people can't. That's why people stay silent. 
it's the unfortunate reality of the situation. You're not, well, you're going to leave a good paying job and speak up because you're a conservative? No. How are you going to feed your kids? How are you going to pay your mortgage? Quitting your job so you can get a you know big post on social media? It's a terrible idea. But more of it needs to happen. Now, I don't have the solution. I'll tell you what, I'm not, I wouldn't step away from my job for political reasons. I needed to pay my mortgage. I needed to live my life. I needed to have food and travel and, and do what I want to do. I'm not just going to throw that all away so I can make a political statement. Take some serious courage to do that. Well, maybe we all need to be a little bit more courageous like Carrie Lake. Stick with us. Final segment coming up. And just like that, it is the last segment of the show. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com. If you miss any portion of the program, you can get our podcast and the video version of the show each and every week. Again, the website, atnshow.com. Wow. Uh, hours flown by. Um, didn't get to hardly any of uh, anything that I uh, had all pulled up here. But I do want to couple of co- cover a couple of quick things before we get out of here this evening, um, the minimum wage uh, bill failed, which is fantastic. Um, eight Democrats joined the Republicans in rejecting the the federal uh, rising raise of the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which, I mean, without going to, I mean, every, everybody, anybody with half a brain knows that raising the federal minimum wage to 15 or 50 or 100 or $500. It's not going to do anything, right? You can make $15 an hour minimum wage. The price of everything else is going to go up. If you're still going to be broke. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And I don't mean to sound, um, I don't mean to sound crude or, or, or anything. I get people are in tough situations, but $15 an hour minimum wage, if you're broke, is not going to help you because the cost of everything around you is going to go up. I mean, if Walmart has to pay all of their employees $15 an hour, that same stuff that you buy in Walmart for $3 now is going to cost 6 It's not going to change your life. I'm sorry. I wish it would. I wish, I, I mean, I, I hate it that people have to live in poverty, right? We all hate it. No, nobody goes around and says, oh man, I'm glad all these people are living in poverty. I'm glad these people are struggling financially. No, nobody thinks that. But this is not the solution. You know what can go a long way? Education. And I'm not talking about higher education. I'm not talking about a college degree. I'm talking about financial uh, literacy, financial competency. Something that most Americans don't have. You want to talk about a solution to a lot of people's issues? It all starts with money. Now, are there some people that are just, the luck just doesn't have it out for them? And that, yes, of course. But there's a lot of people in this country that are, quote unquote, struggling because of poor financial decisions. And I don't say that lightly. And this does not come from a place of privilege. This comes from a place of working hard and being able to reap the benefits. I've talked about it on this program before. I bought a house last year when I was 23 years old. I didn't get any handout. 
I didn't get any large sum of money from a relative or my parents or anybody. No. I saved up. I lived within my means. I made smart financial decisions. And I was fortunate. Yes, I I had a good job. Have a good job right now. But not because I demanded the job. Not because they hired me for any sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, having to fit some sort of uh, federal mandate on hiring certain number of people that are this race or this religion or some other nonsense. No. Actually, I was underqualified for the job. They took a chance on me and I proved. And I think to this point, I've been there almost over a year and a half. It's worked out. They seem to be pretty happy. So. No, this does not come from a place of being privileged. This does not come from a place of having things handed down to me. And it feeds right into this um, conversation about the next stimulus check, which has been passed. The $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill is, is, is there. It's, it's done. The Senate has passed the bill. The House will will approve it. And it's there. This will be your second half of your of your uh, of your relief check. $1400 to most Americans. Dave Ramsey stayed this uh said this um a couple weeks ago that and he got a lot of, a lot of heat for it. If $600 changes your life, there are serious issues there. And again, without sounding crude, without sounding like I'm a heartless SOB, that's the reality of the situation. Now, I know there are a lot of people that need this $1,400, and for them, they should get it. They shouldn't have had to wait this long. But this notion that somehow this is going to fix the underlying problem is stupid. It makes no sense. Businesses have been unable to operate for the past year. They've been shut down by the federal government, their state government, their local government. They've been unable to do business. I went out over the weekend and it was amazing to see these bars and clubs that have been closed now for almost a year able to finally reopen. They can now, they're open and serving alcohol until 11 o'clock. And you could see it. The bars Saturday night were packed on Wrightsville Beach. Absolutely packed. It's fantastic. That's how you get things back to normal, right? The left's always talking about a new normal. No, we don't need a new normal. How about we go back to the way it was, where you were allowed to make decisions for yourself, both personally and if you're a business owner for your business, and then either reap the benefits or not. 
Does anybody really think a $1,400 stimulus check is going to solve the damage that has been done over the past 12 months? I mean, d d d are you that stupid? <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to be so upfront, but it, it, do you really think that's the solution to your problem? $1,400? That's going to save you? That's going to change your life? No. I've said this a thousand times. You had a limb chopped off and you're trying to put a little band-aid on it. Little, uh, little Hello Kitty band-aid that they give you at the, uh, the doctor's office. You've got an artery gushing blood and you're trying to put a little stupid band-aid on it that the, that the doctor gives to a three-year-old. Will it do something to the bleeding? Oh, yeah, absolutely, if you think so. But it ain't, it ain't the solution, Jack. And that's where we are right now. That's the struggle that we're dealing with right now. Is the federal government thinks that they can solve the damage that they've done by just throwing money at us, the stupid citizens, and be, oh, we're so happy. Oh, my God, yay, $1,400, yay. My small businesses have been decimated, but I got $1,400, yay. And we're like animals in a cage. We're jumping for joy because they're wiggling $1,400 in front of us. It's, it's unbelievable. The government has extended their, their reach so far over the past 12 months. And we're jumping for joy over $1,400. What a sad state of affairs. What a sad time. I don't want to say a sad time to be alive. That's a bit that's a bit extreme. But just a sad situation to be in. That it's gotten to a point where people honestly think that is the solution to their problems. It's sad because the people believe that. They've been told that this is going to be the solution to their problem. The Democrats told the entire United States, if we can win the two Senate seats in Georgia, which they did do, we're going to solve your problems with a $2,000 stimulus check. I don't know about you, but a $2,000 stimulus check doesn't really help me all that much. Is it nice to have a couple extra bucks in the bank? Sure, but it's not changing my life. It's a one-time check. I don't know where you might live, but rent is not $100 a month. Most people are paying at minimum seven, eight hundred dollars a month for rent. Then if you have a mortgage payment, it's over a thousand dollars. So tell me how. Tell me how a fourteen hundred dollar stimulus check is gonna dramatically change your life. Will it help with the short term issue? Absolutely, sure. Maybe it will. But tell me how it's dramatically gonna change your life and set you on a different course and set you on a different path for success. No, it's not. That's what people are going to go do. They're going to go buy a new television. They're going to go buy an Xbox or a PlayStation. They're going to buy stupid stuff from China and think that, hey, we solved our problem. Not a chance. Have a great week, everybody.